1: Yes guys, welcome back to the Canon Podcast and today it's just me and George, Alex. Folks, you can't make it, but me and George are here to break down a lot of awful topics. And We're going to start off with a game we had and I'd say a very intriguing game. I watched it in Saudi Arabia, so I wasn't able to probably process it as much, but I'm sure George has watched it. Mr. Babs International
0: here, he's in yeah, Saudi Arabia, yeah. man. Wow. Forrest, just, just for the listeners, for the commitment, like it's 4am in Saudi and this man is here podcasting this is the commitment that we do for the people
1: i wouldn't call it commitment my kind sir because if anyone knows me in the uk my my time schedule is it's normally bad. So it's just normal for me at this point. I'm a night owl. Um, but the Forest game, let's talk Forest game because yeah. it was a very intriguing performance. In the first half, I saw all the comments of uh, people getting really annoyed at on the X because of the fact that Arsenal weren't winning and it was a bit of a frustrating first half. Second half came to life, a couple goals. And of course the ending was a bit dramatic, but I would say it was a professional performance. George, what were your initial thoughts coming out of that? And I want to start specifically on a millsmith row. What did you make of his performance? Did you think he did anything to maybe warrant maybe more starts going into the future?
0: He he definitely gave you uh, an impetus in possession. You know, I, I think one thing is, it wasn't you know the perfect Emil Smith rope performance. I don't think he was you know back to barnstorming best. I think what he did do is he offered a glimpse into what fluidity could look like. A little bit more down the left hand side and we saw a lot more aggressiveness in the in possession stuff um that was happening down that side yeah and so i i think that when you look at emil smith rowe you're trying to blend a myriad of what he's done in the past to what you're seeing on the pitch and i think that Uh, For me, I just needed to see aggressiveness back in the in-possession game. One of the biggest things I think that when you look at our left-hand side in general, right, is you're you're yearning for somebody to take a little bit more onus and responsibility in possession. And I thought he was doing a brilliant job in terms of creating space for others, offering himself as, as an opportunity not just to receive wide in the middle, up top. There was a certain availability that he offered. And I still think that people didn't find him enough. I almost feel that the team has to get used to playing with him again. There were so many times that I feel he was in space to receive on the half turn and we just weren't brave enough to play him inside. And I think that there was definitely a a willingness for him to make runs and there was a willingness to see that burst back. And that was the one thing I looked to make sure it didn't kind of go away. And that's what got me excited. I still think there was a lot that we needed to see from him from that performance, if I'm being very fair. I still think that there was a little bit more, um, you know, at least a passing influence that we could have seen from him to do. Uh, But we saw a lot of the Emile Smith row things. There was a lot of moments of really good quality exploiting the back line and offering himself uh, to different people. So I think we saw what fluidity could look like down that side. Now we just need to blend that with a little bit more of the out of possession uh, benefits that we see with Akai Havertz, that we see with our team in general. And if we can see an Emil Smith-Rowe that's committed to doing that, by the way, and we see the quotes from Mikel, they're not small quotes, you know. I, I think that it's been building in the last month, at least. And that position is certainly up for grabs, mate. Like when you look at the midfield and the makeup, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later on in the pod, but there is a hole. There is something there that I think we all as fans can agree. Maybe we don't agree, Emil Smith-Rowe's the answer. But for me he definitely offered himself uh, a question. I don't know if he did enough to necessarily demand a start at Liverpool, but he definitely offered enough to say, okay, there's some stuff here that we haven't seen all season and I'd like to explore it.
1: Mm-hmm. It was a, I think it was a very intriguing performance because I think fans had massive expectations because of Mikel's quotes and the fact that you know fans just like Smith-Rowe and they want to see him in the starting yeah. lineup. But I think everyone's very conscious of the fact that if he wants to bring into to the Zalzal first team, busy guy, uh, in what's making the disaster first team then it's very much dependent on maybe doing that something special maybe scoring that goal and let's not forget Smith is a goal scorer You know, at his best he's a massive goal scorer and he's got into a few opportunities in a, in a few games he's played this season but he's not really scored and I do feel like him starting that game though was like a massive step in the right direction because it's the first time we've seen him start an important must-win game since, you know, that, that Newcastle game all those years ago. Because I really wouldn't really count that Forest game as, uh, it was an important game, but it was a game where Mikel Arteta rotated in, 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 in general. Um But also, George, there was a moment after the game where there was some controversy caused because um Ben White went over to Alexander Zinchenko. There was a bit of disagreement and Mikel Arteta loved it. I personally loved it as well. But what did you make of it?
0: I love it too. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I think, um, look, he has, he has reason to be upset. I think in the whole thing, people are more convinced that saying that Saliba has the main role to play, but I mean, look, Zinchenko plays them on side and, you know, we have been done from that ball quite a bit. It's, it's a play that I think is a repeatable, uh, way to access Arsenal mate. And so it's definitely something that he has, uh, at least, uh, he has a case to be upset with Zinchenko about, but in terms of it being a massive problem in the squad and uh, none of that. In fact, I think if anybody's in a competitive environment, it's a lot worse. (laughs) You know, I think that um, when you play at the elite level, okay, uh, it's impossible to say that emotions don't carry over. And I think that, you know, if you want to say that we're in a title race, you can't let mistakes like that happen on a regular basis. And I think vice versa, trust me, Zinchenko is one of the most vocal people in the squad. He's doing it and giving it back as well. It's not a case of somebody picking on another person. It's about the team searching for perfection. And, you know, that comes from the players. It comes from leaders in the squad. And, and I think that friction for me is the sign of a competitive team again, mate. Like, I, I look back at all these interviews and... Um, you can even take it into your own personal life. You know what I mean. Like it's it's bound to happen when you're in a successful environment to have a row with one of your coworkers, especially if you know they do something that you feel um, they can do better at. It's not a case of you uh, being uh, you know mean, bullying, or any any of that. I, I just think it's competitive environment, emotions run high, and these are professional athletes. Like this is a serious job for them, and, and there's a lot on the line here. Um, We as fans, we talk and we invest so much emotionally. But I I think sometimes we don't give players enough credit. There's so much commentary that, you know, football is a job, right? And uh, it is to a lot of people. But I mean, there's a lot of emotion that they put into this too. And I think you can see it. And uh, I'll be honest. I look back at some of the old interviews that I look back at Henri and we look at, you know, even in Patrick Vieira, when they talk about what was the dressing room like at the most successful peak? and training was competitive. It was at each other's throats. We've got Kolo Ture tackling Arson Wenger um, on trial. And you know, I, like the, the, the level in order to gain an inch starts at home, right? And, and that competitive edge starts with your own players. So I, I never had to worry about it. Um, I didn't even look at it as an issue. The one thing I did look at as an issue, just generally, and I, I will maintain, is I think that ball over the top into the channel with Zinchenko has been a repeatable thing, not just in this game. I see it at sporting. I see it many times where teams feel that they can exploit us early, high, wide, and in the channel like that. And um, it's something that we've got to iron out. And it's something looking towards Liverpool. I'm not loving the idea of a Virgil van Dyke switch to Nunez in the channel to isolate Zinchenko there. That's something that I'm that I'm looking at, but uh, in terms of uh, you know Ben White getting angry and all this uh, stupid stuff online, I, I think it's more than fine. Like, What do you make of the the narrative? Because I feel the media play up to this, and it's like every single time, every mm-hmm. coach, every player says, this is elite sport, what do you expect? Why do, why does the media, yeah. do you think, make such a big deal of these basic narratives that we know the answers to?
1: I think normally because footballers are so professional, you don't see it. So if they mm. even are frustrated, they hold it in because they've been trained to almost be robots. But when yeah. you then see emotion, and it's, it's a good way because we've not lost the game, we still won the game and there's still a massive three points, but we talk about fans wanting perfection, that's the players seeking perfection, yeah. you know, and that's what I love to see. And I think maybe it's the, sometimes the media wants to create a narrative you know, they want to create the Zinchenko-White rivalry, but it's normal. And if anyone that's played football at any sort of level would know that it gets heated. I mean, in the UK, we everyone knows about the five side games. It ends up being a real rumble at one point. Because everyone's just heated. And that's just football. That's football. I like it. I like the passion. I like the fact that these players aren't just robots. It's not just all claps and applauses after the game and even after conceding, you know. They realise to beat City for a title, you need to be perfect. And if we're not perfect, they can call us, call, catch us up later in the season. So I like the fact that White had the personality to go over to as who's a more experienced player, and go, listen, bro, we feel like you've let us down in this moment. We need yeah. better. And, you know, hopefully you'll learn from that going into the future. And talking about learning. I think Arsenal themselves might be learning because... The Arsenal Academy, right, for a long time, a lot of fans have criticised for not those players not getting loaned out early enough and wasting opportunities. And now you've got Lino Sousa going to Aston the Villa, then straight out alone. Arsenal reacted. They've loaned out, I think, Keon Edwards. they loaned out uh, Carl Suggles, Charles Sager Jr. as well. Is there anyone else I'm forgetting here?
0: Well, uh, I think because uh, they also, well, they did Keon, they did Charles Sager Jr. They, they got rid of Ibrahim and Lino Sousa. Um, I think you know. Obviously, Beirath has switched into Sturm um We've had a clear out of sorts, you know, at the academy. Zaymon Louis went to Reading, um, the U21 captain. Um, That's a beautiful so, name,
1: Zaymon Louis. Uh, he's, he's,
0: he's, he's a yeah, baller too. He's a baller too. Is he too, like a name? number ten? No, no, he's a setter back, setter back okay. distributor.
1: Zaymon Louis has like a number ten. I don't really watch much. I was still kind of bit like that, but. Uh. Hey,
0: he passes the name test with flying, flying cones, colors. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm glad you brought it up because I think that there's been a whole youth discussion in general that, that's been going around on the timeline with Mikel and everything. And um, first things first, let's praise uh, Sam Hayball. I don't know if people know he's the new loan manager for Arsenal since Ben Naper went to Norwich for uh, the sporting director role. So um, I, I think a lot of this stuff, mate, has had a long overdue process since the summer. Like, you're looking at clearing this U21 squad because, again, it wasn't just the people that left with Ibrahim and Lino Sousa, Miguel Aziz leaving on a permanent transfer who's been way too long. I mean, you're looking at a a U21 uh, team that was clogged with people that had people like Kayon who needed loans immediately already. Um, And look, we're rectifying mistakes that we should have done in the summer. So, on a certain extent, you're saying kudos and you're saying that's brilliant work because there was a huge effort clearly in the last couple of days of the window to get this stuff done and they did it so you say kudos but at the same token i am somebody that has felt that we haven't been the greatest in terms of development and the one thing that i have said is take lino Sousa for example a lot of people believe and rightly so that this is a top talent that's left us right like make no mistakes lino Sousa is not somebody that i think arsenal looked at as somebody that couldn't contribute to the first team in the next 18 to two years um i and, and I think, I'm not upset losing Lino the talent, I'm upset losing Lino the development. And a lot of people misconstrue that statement, and this is what I mean. Lino Sousa, the talent, the name to lose him, it's not the end of the world. This is the academy, there's churn, right? You're, you're going to hear names that go, you're going to hear names that stay, you're going to have your Xavier and Meat Cheese, your Chuba, Akpoms, and then you're going to have your Bakayo Sakas. The talent isn't the problem. What I think I don't like is the fact that he's felt his development is best served at another club who immediately loaned him to Plymouth Argyle. Now, that is something that we could have done in the summer, and it speaks to something that I think is a point of improvement in the academy. We've done a brilliant job with Murder Saka, but the one thing that I feel that we don't do well enough is we don't loan talents that are ready for the next level early enough, and we don't choose the best loan clubs all the time. I think our track record with loaning youngsters has been on, on a whole quite poor. There are your um, kind of exceptions. Like I think Mika Bureth is doing excellently both at Motherwell and Sir Gratz Arthur Oconquo has had a really good year um, himself at Wrexham. And and Brooke Norton-Coffee is doing pretty good at Millwall as well. There are examples of us doing good loans. But ironically, if you're going to ask me, George, what is the best way to blood a youngster? Look at Charles Sager Jr. And I think that is the perfect example of how to integrate a youth. A talent that you believe in has had a cameo in a cup, a surprising cameo, and then been sent out on loan, who hasn't stayed with the U21s for a very long time and his first real big season has been this year. He's been doing very, very well and then immediately sent out on loan in the first six months after a stellar barnstorming start. That is the perfect youngster. Then you look at Amario Cosier Duberry, who has 20 goal and assists in 31 games last year for the Premier League too. Uh, insane record started out with seven goal and assists and eight PL2 games this season. And because of his contract is not being loaned out. Now that's a player where you start to say, did he stay a year too long in the U21s? Probably. And if it's not because you can't loan these guys out because they're too young, because that is a factor that people overlook, um, then get him in the first team to test him out with cameos. You look at Wolves away. Our opportunities to debutants is not the best. I think that is true do arsenal not provide pathways to youth that's false i mean arsenal have one of the better uh, minutes for academy grads and of course it comes from a particular class that we've been milking for quite a while in emil smith Rowe, reese nelson the joe willock days the ainsley maitland niles they all come from a similar class with bakayo right so there's a similar generation there that we've been milking and and it is true that i think academies come in classes And we could be looking at one in the Miles Lewis Skelly, the Ethan Winery, the Cheeto, Obi Martin, right? Like that's a class that we really believe in and talent can come in waves. But as a whole, I do believe that Arsenal can do a better job about loaning youngsters earlier and about making sure that we're having the right loans for players. Because um, you look at your Cobhams, you look at your cities, you look at your even West Ham's, you look at Crystal Palace, some of the best academies in the Premier League, and these guys are able to loan them effectively and generate revenue because the other arm of the academy is that, right? If you're not going to make it at the arsenal level, which is fine, it's not a big deal. You should be developing these talents to a point where these prospects can give you money. But I don't know, I wanted to ask you, like, what does a successful youthful in, in like integration look like for you in, in terms of a Premier League or a, a title challenger? Because a lot's been made with Bradley coming in from Liverpool in terms of Oscar yep. Bob 20, like what is a successful youth integration uh, for a title challenger?
1: I think it's, it's difficult because of where we are in title contention. We're not at the Liverpool or small city stage where we've got numerous titles on the Bank and we've got something to work off where fans haven't got that pressure of we need to win this year, And when fans are desperate for a title, it's, kind of short-term thinking in a moment. You have to almost think of what's the best for this season to get us over the line because if City, you don't want a title, Arsenal need to be there. So, you know, we don't have that same luxury as maybe maybe Pep has where he's able to, you know, in those games in the Carabao Cup, maybe throw the cup away at times because he's got those players yeah. there and, he, and he's had previous wins. Arsenal are still new to this game with title contention. So there's a lot of pressure on us to get that first title. And I'm sure once we get that first title, Mikel will naturally relax a little bit more because I've got that first one out of the way. Perfect youth integration. I'll give you an example, maybe not an academy player, but a youngster that came to Arsenal, was loaned out numerous times and now as a you know first teamer, William Saliba. It's, mm-hmm. it's loaning him out to the right team, the right environment, letting him develop there, get all the mistakes out of his game. Then when he comes back to Arsenal, he's a ready-made player to be integrated into the first team. Kuzi Dubri plays like that, You know, up against academy players, they might look amazing, but in the first team, it might not be the case. So maybe, as you said, give him a few minutes, give him a little test here and there. But for me, it's loan them out, get them loaned out to clubs that are maybe of a higher standard championship league, uh, Bundesliga, those type of leagues there at competitive level. So they're used to professional football. Then they come to the Arsenal first team like Saliba does. And you don't have to really worry about the mistakes because he's got them out of the way. You know, I don't expect Mikel Arteta to throw in a 16 year old because, you know, he's not Wayne Rooney's, are they? And the football's changed now. There's a lot of pressure. So for me, it's the Saliba route where you sign the player or you have the player come through academy, loan him at the right age to the right clubs and then bring him back, you know, where he's ready, ready and competitive. Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel, or go to Patreon.com/slash/TheCanonPod. Sports Social Podcast Network.